I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. But Staley, if he thinks that his defense played good yesterday, he's so far out of the race, he actually thinks he's in the lead. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we had an interesting early window in the National mm. Football League yesterday. Had a fun Sunday night football game as well. We'll get into that later on in the podcast. But uh, all eyes, at least in the witching hour, were turned to Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers oh. defeated the Los Angeles Chargers 23-20. to I'm sure your guy, Big Daddy, I'm sure he was te- texting y'all throughout the game, disappointed. But hey, no, no, no need to text. Play. He was he was too. He was sitting in his chair to the right. He was in my living room. His eyes were fixated. It, it was truly. I think I could sell tickets for the goddamn event. It starts off with even before the the, the amount of negativity that <laughs> enters the house at 101 when the game starts is just remarkable. You cannot have this much negativity, but it it, it just is remarkable. And at 101, at five of one, he's like, no one's coming to the game. Who would want to see this crap, crappy team play? Of course, the fields, the, the stadium's packed, right? Sold out. And then he sees LaFleur <laughs> with his fresh haircut, and he's like, wonder how much he spends a, a week on haircuts. Like, he's, he's mesmerized by LaFleur's haircut, you know? And then when the LaFleur starts moving his arms around to get the crowd going, Big Daddy's joining in. The negativity was just unbelievable. Just even when they run a good play, it's negative. Even when they run a good play and nobody's any good and they got no skill. I mean, it's all the things. But it was truly, it was truly a, ma- a match of wits this game, right? And, mm. it's, and it gave us, to start the game, we kind of had like the perfect appetizer to start the game. 
you know, LaFleur on fourth and two goes for it. Big Daddy complained about the call. They ran fullback in the flat to the quarterback's, le- to the quarterback's left side, you know, and got tackled for a one-yard loss. But not to be outdone, you know, the, the Chargers come right back, and they're on their fourth and four. They go for it, and the kid drops a pass wide-ass open over the middle of the field. But, you know, I mean, it was, it was a day of every time I looked up, the Packers are moving the ball, and I'm like, look, Big Daddy, your yeah. offense is on track here, man. You just can't slow this team down. You know, you just can't slow this team down, and then they get a chance, you know. So then this is the best part of the whole day. So, you know, when Keenan Allen drops a couple pass, he now announces to me and the, everybody watching, Millie, that Keenan Allen will break their heart. Keenan Allen's going to make a play to get the touchdown. And I'm like, Big Daddy, look. You predicting that is like me predicting it's going to rain in Florida in the summertime. Like, Keenan Allen's the only guy they have on their team. Exactly. Like, just, like you're not Svengali predicting that. Like, you're not, you know, you're not Kreskin over here. You can't, I mean, this isn't like you're seeing the future, right? Like, that's a pretty fair bet he's going to, well, why wouldn't we double? Why don't we draw? Why don't we, why don't we take him out of the game in the second half? I mean, because it's hard to do. They motion him, they stack him, they bring him around. It's kind of hard to do. Anyway, when he scores the touchdown, I get, see, I told you, see, I told you. And then, of course, only on a third and 20. On a third and 20 could Man. the Chargers get a, 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 a pass interference. And then give up a touchdown. And then, and then still have two opportunities with the ball with 2.33 to go in the game to get a field goal to tie it. And guess what? They can't do it. Yeah. Now, every time I looked up, it felt like the Chargers were either inside the red zone or in Packers territory. They may have the fumbles by Austin Eckler. They just so many miscues. I mean, the end of the well, game where Quinton Johnston, like that drop pass, like there was a lot of killers there for uh-huh. the Chargers. I, I, to me, when I'm watching the game, and, and I said this to Big Daddy, they wore the wrong shoes at the game. I mean, they were slipping and sliding like crazy on the field. And, and, and if you know Lambeau Field and you, and you play there and you've played there in your career, you know that field because of the coils and because of all the stuff that goes, that field is slippery. And if you don't wear the right spikes on that field and you don't mandate that the players wear them, you're going to slip. Eckler slips on the goal line, you know, and he slipped another time. I mean, there was it wasn't there. And look, let's face it. I mean, they've got every opportunity to win the game. I know Keenan Allen dropped the ball in the sun, you know, all that. Johnson, he dropped a, a, a hell of a throw. You couldn't put this one on Herbert. You can't put this on Herbert. You just can't. I mean, he, he put the ball where it needed to be. You could sense the frustration in Herbert. You really yeah. could just watching that game. I, you know, they're tired of this crap. I mean, yeah. they've lost four of the last six games, you know, and, and the two games they've won have been against your New York Jets and the Bears. My, my New York Jets gangrene. And, and like, like when you see Justin Herbert, who like is a very mild mannered person to put it like, like, like that's even probably like under exaggerating. Like he was like visibly upset. And that's when you know that we probably reached a breaking point with the Los Angeles Chargers and maybe a breaking point with their head coach, Brandon Staley, who we've talked about. He gets the, called the defensive guru. There's no, what is there? There's no goo in the roux. Like there's no there's no roux in the no, guru. No, there's no roux in the guru. No matter how much he wants to freaking defend it's, it. Like seriously, we watch his bad. teams play. He can't win close games. He hasn't. They haven't been good on defense forever since he's been there. I don't care what he says. Well, let's listen to what he had to say because he was pressed on it by the media. The Chargers media was asking him after the game, "Are you going to still be calling the defensive plays? And what's going on with your defense?" Here was Staley's defense. I have full confidence, like I t- I've told you, and like I've told you from the beginning, I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller, in the way that we teach, in the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. we got to bring this group together and do it consistently. 
Okay, and that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay, I'm going to be calling the defenses. Okay, so we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. There were a lot of other things that caused us to lose today. It certainly wasn't our defense. It was the way we played as a team. We didn't play well on, enough on the red zone on offense. We dropped too many passes. Okay, we gave up a few killer sacks. Okay, we did this as a team. Stop making it about one unit because that's not what happened out there today. Our team lost, and I am fully responsible for it, and I take full responsibility. But we lost as a team today, and that's the storyline. It was a complete team effort in the loss. And he said that he takes responsibility for it, and he should take responsibility for that defense that once again giving up yardage after yardage, and Jordan Love had one of his best statistical performances. I'm not sure where the confidence comes from, but he's confident in what they do out there in, the, in, in Charger land. At 50% on third down the Packers, and you say you're playing good defense. Now, look, I agree with what he said at the beginning there, that never it's never one thing why you lose, mm-hmm. right? It's never that. And, and every time I watch a game, I always think about, okay, the game's over, and I go to my notes, and I, and I type in, okay, what would I have to tell Al Davis why we lost the game? You know, what would it be? Did we not practice against a certain look? Did we not do this? Or, or would, did we not handle a player? Did we not take a guy out of the game? All those things, right? And to me, this is a game where it's pretty clear. I think one thing that's clear is the Chargers aren't as good as we think they are. Like, they get this rep for being this talented team. But when you take Keenan Allen off the, out of the game, who else is making plays for him? I mean, Eckler's a good player, but Eckler looks to me like he's not the same guy coming back from the injury, right? He doesn't have that same burst. He didn't look like it yesterday. So, and then tell me where they are on defense. I mean, Joey Bosa's hurt again. I think Joey Bosa's played three seasons in his NFL career of 16 games. He's always hurt, right? He's always hurt. They got Eric Kendricks in there. He looks like a a, a guard on on a midget team. I mean, he looks heavy, can't run. You know, they give up a huge play on a missed tackle. Like, tell me where they're – everybody says they're so good. Like, tell me where they're good. When they had to throw the ball at the end of the game, Femi, when those two tackles, they had to block the Packer front, which Big Daddy says they have no players. They have no players. And so I'm going through, well, you know, know, this guy's a first-rounder, that guy's a first-rounder. We got no players. We got no players out there. Okay. Well, they do. They couldn't block the Packers. They couldn't block them, you know, and they can't win. I mean, if you're this good, right, if you are this good – then why in the last 27 games have 19 of them have been so close and you can't win them? I mean, you, you can't win. I mean, look, let's face it. Herbert's 16-19 and 19 against the spread in toss-up games in his career. They, they can't get him over the hump. You know, and here's again, you know, your guy Kellen Moore. He's got the ball with 233 to go. Kind of similar situation. They got three timeouts, can't get a first down. Got to punt it back. And then the Packers run three plays. Big Daddy's complaining because they ran the ball. Big Daddy, they need to get the timeouts away. No, okay. They punt it back, and now, you know, they can't even get in it. Now, he makes a great throw. No catch. I think there's a misconception there. But Staley, if he thinks that his defense played good yesterday, then he really belongs to the Uncle Junior quote, which is he's so far out of the race, he actually thinks he's in the lead. I mean, really. If he thinks his defense played well, I mean, this is the first time the Packers threw for over 300 yards all year. I mean, the, the, going into the game, the Packers' love was the worst quarterback in terms of expected completion percentage. And he was the worst quarterback, he was the second worst quarterback in throwing the ball into tight coverage at 20.7. So, like, don't tell me, you made him look great. How many, how many times did you see the, the, somebody in the middle of the field, there wasn't 15, there wasn't anybody around them? For 20 yards, boom, bang it there. I mean, lo- when you left that stadium on Sunday, if you're 
if you're Goot, the GM, or if you're, uh, you know, anybody in the front office, like, well, wait a minute, Love looked pretty good today. Made a great throw, made a lot of good throws in the game. So I, I, I don't understand it. Like, to me, you could sense he's agitated. I mean, they're 31st in yards allowed, right? They're 30th in passing yards allowed. How does he come up with that? Does somebody just say, like, they're 32nd in first downs allowed? 32nd in first downs, and you're saying you're good on defense? Says they played good defense. And he said that they played good, like earlier in that press conference, he said that they played good defense during his time in Los Angeles. And I just, the, the facts are not there. The evidence is not there to, to suggest that they played good defense. And that's what he was brought there to do. And like you mentioned all the guys like Joey Bosa once again carted off the field. I don't know if it, they said it's a foot injury, but it looked like it might be an Achilles. Like we'll find that out later on today here. But I mean, even Derwin James, this is a guy who's an all pro. We've talked about Derwin James among the blue chip players. His play has declined as well. Like it just feels like it's a systemic issue coaching is not good and the players also haven't lived up to the billing as well no they haven't I mean they're not they're not I think it's a misconception I think you know it's it's like okay the Jets have a great defense okay and everybody keeps saying that although when you watch the games you know they give up plays right Cleveland has a great defense they don't give up plays but we don't talk about that right we just say they're great once you get that label, it's the George Costanza theory you park the car in front of the you get there early you leave your car there you're a hard worker it's just permeates all the way through. It's a perception like that when you have to throw the ball and you can't pass protect, that's a problem. When you have to run the ball and you can't run it out, that's a problem. I mean, to me, they had an opportunity to win that game. And when they have to pass protect against a good front, look, regardless of what big daddy says, the Packers front is good when they can rush it. They can't do it. Yeah, I'll take Rashawn Gary on my team. I don't know. I guess Big Daddy doesn't want him on the team. I was like, he was pretty good yesterday. I mean, Gary, how about the kid from, I can't say his name, from South Carolina. He's a bitch. You got, you know, you got the, the, the inside guy, Kenny Clark. Yeah, Kenny Clark. I mean, they're good. Yeah, they got some good players up there, and they showed out and showed up well in the game. Packers win at 23-20. to And for the Chargers, it doesn't get any easier because next Sunday, Sunday Night Football, here come the Baltimore Ravens to town with extra rest and that front and what they can do on offense and all the stuff that Baltimore presents from a challenge standpoint. That'll be a tough one in national TV. We'll continue the coaches on the hot seat theme when we come back here and talk about what happened yesterday in Charlotte. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 
168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, before we move on to the game in Charlotte yesterday, issue a correction on the Joey Bosa injury. Sounds like the x-rays came back negative, so not an Achilles. Uh, it looks like it might be a foot injury, but he was carted off and looked like he was pretty dejected leaving Lambeau Field here. But uh, the Panthers, Michael, uh, yesterday was pretty mm. ugly. Cowboys went at 33-10. to 10. They yeah. went ahead and covered that number. Panthers now fall to 1-9. Bryce Young, I mean, he's, he was sacked a million times in the game. There was a pick six by Deron Bland, who now has four pick sixes on the season, by the way. That's pretty remarkable. But uh, what you saw yesterday in Charlotte has been something that's kind of been brewing all throughout this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it since the summer. I think, you know, we talked about it. I know I went on and did a uh, radio show in Charlotte back in August, and they're like, you know, do you have some personal vendetta against Frank Wright? And I said, no, I don't. I just, like, their team looks horrible, poorly organized. There's no attention to detail, you know. And there are certain games, I think, when you watch during the regular season where there you say, if we win this game, we're going to be a playoff team. And then there's certain games where when you lose, it's, a, it's not a bad loss, it's a horrendous loss. When the Raiders lost with Brian Hoyer at quarterback – and Chicago, that was a horrendous loss. You're not coming back from that, right? You've lost, you know, you start the guy at quarterback, the team the team loses, you leave there getting your ass kicked. I don't give a shit how you want to defend it. You know, this league is too volatile to defend it, and there's going to be changes, whether they happen in season or off the season. I mean, now, again, like anything, it's just not one thing, but it's accumulation of so many things, and that loss to to the Bears for the Raiders, I mean, that was the end of them. And I think yesterday, getting embarrassed again at home, losing to the Cowboys when you had a lot of Cowboy fans in there, and never, and and not showing any ability to get better, to improve. The same problems that occur in in August are the same problems we're talking about today. That, to me, if you're a general manager or an owner, you've got to say, wait a minute. This is wrong. We, we, we're not fixing what's broken. And that's part of what you have to do as an organization. You've got to take an assessment and figure out what's broken and how to fix it. I think the perfect example, Femi, is in Denver. You know, what, what Sean is doing in Denver is what I call the Apollo 13 theory. What's the Apollo 13 theory? Do you remember in the movie Apollo 13 where they're all stuck up in space and those scientists are sitting in the room and they and they basically take a they have two cardboard boxes and they dump all this shit on the table and they say we've got to take this and make it into that using nothing but this. That's the job of a head coach. That's the job of what you have to you have to figure out what you have, and sometimes it takes you four or five games to do it, like Sean, and then you got to change what you're doing to fit what you can do. You know, we're going to run the ball. We're, you know, all this bullshit about Russell's playing great bullshit. They're not letting Russell participate, right? They know Russell could beat them. They're not going to let Russell beat them. They're going to let Russell manage the game. They're going to run the ball. They're going to give him certain plays to make, and he's going to look a lot better than he really is. Smart as shit. Fix the defense. Play a certain way. Carolina's never done that. Carolina has never done that all year. The problems have been so obvious and they've got a really good line coach. They kept Camp and James Camp and their line coach there. And he could have gone anywhere in the league. And they paid him a lot of money to be there because of the way they played last year. And they've gotten worse. Now, why have they gotten worse, Femi? 
What's the common denominator? And that's what I was saying this summer. Well, let's go into the Wayback Machine here on the GM Shuffle because this summer in August, when the, we saw the preseason and we saw Bryce Young getting beat up quite a bit, I asked you, should we be pressing the panic button on the Carolina Panthers? And here was your response. You know, look, I, I think, Carol, look, this has been Frank Wright's, to be his biggest issue. He's 0-4-1 in opening games. Does he get his team ready for tra- for the opener? Is his team, do, do they take advantage of training camp? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They're, nobody's playing fast yet. I mean, so you got to be worried. If I'm David Tepper, I'm asking myself, like, mm-hmm. what did Frank do to convince me that he deserved a second chance? Right? Like, what did he do that that makes me feel like I shouldn't have hired somebody? Now, they hired him because, you know, like, they let Steve Wilkes walk out of the building. They didn't give him the job. Steve Wilkes proved on tape that he made that team better. And they've gotten much worse, as you outlined. Like, they almost won they've the division tremendous. last year. And now, Te- Tepper's, now Tepper's got to be embarrassed. I mean, he's got to be embarrassed, right? He's got to sit there and say, wait a minute, I, and my involvement have made, has made this worse. Now, I'm not saying he, you know, he was like, look, they picked the quarterback. Obviously, C.J. Stroud looks better than Bryce Young. I'm not ready to give up on Bryce Young, no matter how many times he throws pick six. I mean, remember, Peyton Manning was 1-15, and and Troy Aikman was too. But this Panther team is better uh, than we think it, than, than it is showing. It's underachieving and getting worse every week. I mean, think about this, Femi. They're a four-point dog to the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee next week, and te- and Will Levis is a disaster. He can't make a throw. Looks bad. I mean, they can't do anything offensively, Tennessee. I mean, they've gotten blown out in the state of Florida two weeks in a row. I mean, they've gotten bl- – it's not been close, right? So, like, how is this possible? It just shows you how bad you are as a team, and there's no point of a return. I mean, when you beat you beat Houston, okay. Now I get it. J.C. Horn's not healthy. Brian Byrne, all these. I got everybody, but everybody has injuries. Exactly. If you're David Tepper, you're sitting there saying, "Look, I made a mistake, <clears throat> and that loss was a bad, bad loss." And Tepper now is under fire because everyone's going to point to, well, he fired two coaches with his soccer team with Charlotte FC. He already fired like when moved on and fired Matt Rule and fired Von Rivera and all these like everyone's talking about how Tepper has a short leash. But also, if you're David Tepper in defense of him, if you realize you made a bad hire, you got to fix it. <laughs> like like you got you can't just continue well, moving mean, forward with this. Well, if you had progress, I mean, I think that was the issue. I think when you look back at why did Mark Davis fire Josh McDaniel, they did, he didn't see progress. Part of what we have to do, regardless of, of when you get enter a team and how bad a team is, you got to see progress. Dan Campbell showed progress. They weren't winning, but they were progressing. You, and you got to be able to see that. And you got to sell progress, right? And the Raiders, they weren't progressing. They really weren't. They weren't a great team when they got there. And they, they raised the bar when they traded for Adams. They really did, which wasn't a good – we know this. I've said this many times. You don't build a team around a receiver. But they raised the bar of expectation because they've got the receiver. And then they couldn't even come close to meeting them. So it's the same thing. I mean, same thing. David Tepper, there's really he has no – it's sunk cost now. It's the sunk cost. He can't go down this road. He's got to make a change. He, he, the team, you could just see the way the team played. I mean, if it wasn't Thanksgiving, I think he would make a change today. Speaking of Thanksgiving, if it wasn't Thanksgiving, how do you think Josh Harris feels today? Mm, let's get into that because yesterday, <laughs> Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants 
beat the Washington Commanders 31-19. Just think about what we were saying about the Giants this time last week, about like, wow, they did look like a horrendous team. Like, they look like an FCS football program. And then here comes DeVito, 246, three touchdowns. Credit him. They're calling him the passing Paisano. I think your boy McAfee coined him that on Twitter <laughs> yesterday, and I was kind of chuckling at that. But a big win for the New York Giants and an embarrassing loss for the Washington Commanders, who now fall to 4-7, and seven, a bad performance all around there from Washington. I would have never taken the Giants, but I kept asking, how are the how are the Washington Commanders a nine-point favorite when they scored seven points in the last game? I mean, here, here's a per, this game is a perfect example for any coach to study and, and figure out that from one game to the next, right, the, the Washington Commanders were one for 15 on third down in the last game in the Meadowlands, right? And the way Martindale attacked the protection schemes of Eric Bieniemy were clear. And once again, they did it again. And they force six turnovers. I mean, the fact that this game is even close, it's, it's a 24-21 to 21 game when Hal throws the pick six to Simmons. So it's actually a closer game than it should be. And you give DeVito credit, all the credit in the world. Yeah. The guys were wide-ass open. I mean, it was probably one of the worst coaching jobs you're ever going to see by a defensive unit. They, they broke coverages. You know, I mean, they sacked DeVito nine times in the game. And they couldn't force a turnover. And the Giants played exactly kind of how you have to play in the NFL, which is mistake-free, and let them make the mistakes. See, this is the problem with – I mean, Rivera's had three winning seasons in 13 years as a head coach. I mean, and then he calls – I almost lost my mind. He calls timeout towards the end of the game with 2.06 to go on third and eight. Like, if you've been coaching this long in the NFL – and you, and you call a timeout under the seven-second mark before the two-minute warning, you're just not paying attention. Yep. You're just Because now <laughs> what you've done is you've given the offense a chance to throw it. You do not want to do that. Andy Reid does it. He gets away with it. right? Rivera got away with it yesterday. But it, it is the mark of not being aware. And when have we felt like Rivera's been aware? Going back to this summer when he, the enemy's too hard on the players. I didn't know Sam Howell was good. Like, what have we been doing? They gave this man the entire th- authority to run this organization. And, and now, and are they getting better? Of course they're not. They're getting worse. They'll probably go down on Thanksgiving and play well because they usually play well in the division. Except it's against the Giants. They're 0-4 against the Giants. Do you realize this? No, they're 0-3-1. They tied them they tied, last year yeah. in one game. Yeah, no, I mean, that was what swung the Giants going to the playoffs instead of the Commanders going to the playoffs last season. The Giants able to get that win in Washington. And yeah, like to me, like defensively, like we've talked about Del Rio's defense and all that stuff. Like the fact that that combo of, of Rivera Del Rio is still around and like we haven't made a change and maybe they will make a change. Like if it's embarrassing Thursday night, maybe something changes to where Josh Harris says, we can't put up with this. Let's just move forward and start the, the, the coaching search here because we'll have a little bit of an extended time after the game against the Cowboys. But I mean, there's nothing well, to be inspired about well, when you I mean, watch them. Well, let me say this to you. They got Dallas, then they go to, then they got Miami at home, then they have the bye. They come back and play the Rams and the Jets, San Francisco and Dallas. So they've got basically they've got six games left. And, you know, they're they're gonna have and I thought they had a chance to be, you know, they have a chance to get the overtotal. I mean, yeah. they've won they've won one game in the last five. They're one in five. I mean, they're getting worse. Now you could say, well, they traded away all their guys. No, they were bad and, with them. And you can go and give it to you can go and give it to the enemy. 
But the enemy's going to get it. I mean, how is going to eventually you, you be how's one more hit away from maybe missing next season? I mean, he getting hit way too many times. As he in went the, in the blue tent yesterday. And, and I'll raise my hand. Like I was right along with you as one of the people that thought that this commander's team could be a potential playoff team this season with the guys that they have. Like the, this is not a team that's devoid of talent. Like, like when you look at their roster, you put like Mike Vrabel as the head coach on this team. You make Mike Vrabel the head coach of this team. What do you think their record is? You know, we're talking about the seven or six seed Washington Commanders. We're not talking about four and seven. I can tell you that right now. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just been bad for Washington. All right. That does it for all the coaches on the hot seat. Let's talk a little bit about some good coaches there. Sean Payton, Broncos. They improved to five and five after being the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. We'll get into that next. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Denver Broncos were 0-3 to start the season, 1-5 as well after six games, had 70 points scored on them by the Miami Dolphins, and now fast forward here to Thanksgiving week, and now they're sitting at 5-5 five five winners of four straight most recently last night as they beat the Minnesota Vikings 21-20. I was captivated by the game. I thought it was really entertaining, high-stakes game, both teams in playoff contention. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Broncos' victory yesterday against Minnesota? My thoughts have been pretty much the same about what Sean's doing in Denver. Is he's going to keep the game close. He's going to take every point he could get. How about when the fans booed him when he sent the field goal team out there and they didn't go for it, right? That won the game for him, right? That, those three points that he got early in the game that they booed him on because he kicked the field goal won the game for him. We won't mention that, though, because Sean, Sean knows the game is going to be in the fourth quarter. And he's got to win the game in the fourth quarter. And so in his fourth quarter, he has probably the best fourth quarter he can have. He gets two field goals and a touchdown. He wins the game there. He gets 13 points in the fourth. He wins the game. And so, or 12 points in the fourth because they went for two and didn't get it, which killed the thing. You <laughs> know, and, and let's face it. I mean, and, you know, the, the, this Viking team, as good as they played defensively, and they played really good defensively. I mean, they only allowed 13 first downs in the game. I mean, they, the, the basically average game per offensive play, the Broncos were 5-7, but they didn't have the ball. They didn't have the ball. They didn't have the ball. They only had the ball for 25 minutes. I mean, Minnesota controlled it. I think, I think Kevin O'Connell does a really good job of game planning specific to the defense. <clears throat> I think he got, you know, I think he's been a really good play caller. Yeah. He just can't control the fumbles. Their fumble, you know, Dobbs had three more fumbles last night. He lost one. Madison's fumble was a killer. And so, you know, I mean, Sean could care less about the stat sheet. He cares about the win sheet, which is exactly what I talk about all the time. Take the points, get the game to the fourth quarter, win it there. You know, it's ugly. You know, it's ugly as shit. You know, it's not going to make it's not going to make anybody think you're the, you know, the second coming, you know, but we're not going to let Russell beat us. He's going to have 35 attempts for 259 yards. We're going to matriculate, got to call screens. Our leading pass receiver is going to be a running back. Okay. 
Yeah, and it's it's what we talk about when we say calling plays to win the game versus to put up the the DVOA numbers and all the the stats that look good on paper. But hey, like you got to win. And I thought that what they did defensively, I think we do owe like Vance Joseph a little bit of credit. Like their their run defense is poor, and Minnesota. We we talked about the Vikings not being able to run the football. They ran the football very well in this game, but they buckled down in the red zone. They got the necessary stops, and they have this ability to just continue to force turnovers. They forced three more turnovers yesterday, which was the difference in the game. It was. I mean, you know, when you don't turn it over and the opponent turned, I mean, think about this. Washington turned it over six times and the Giants didn't turn it over and yet it was a close game. That tells you, tells you how poorly the Washington football team played. This game was three to zero, right? Yeah. Three to zero. You know, they get the free, they, get, they go three plays, they get nine yards. He kicks the field goal to go up three to nothing. Everybody wants them to get the touchdown. He don't care. He kicks three points. Those three points end up coming back and win the game for him. So it's like, you know, why do we have to start off with, with, with it? just keep playing the game? Be the, ter- be the tortoise. Don't be the hare. Just keep get the game to the fourth quarter and then win the game in the fourth quarter. You know, win the game in the fourth quarter and go from there. So I think it's a credit to Vance. They're playing great situational football. They're getting the ball out. And, you know, they're, they're finding ways to win. This week they have Cleveland coming in, which will be a struggle. They will struggle to run the ball on Cleveland. Yeah. So... All their short passing games going to come back into play, and their defense will play good against Cleveland's offense. I am a little bit concerned, though, if, if Cleveland just runs the ball on them, then maybe Cleveland can find some success. But uh, I'm, I'm falling in like with the Denver Broncos. Not love because they have some clear deficiencies, but falling in like with this team. Like I, It's a fun turnaround that they've had out there and seeing you know, like the little bit of a resurgence uh, with the Denver Broncos. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it's, a, it's been interesting to well, see them go ahead and I win mean, these games. I mean, he's being a head coach. This is what I complain about all the time. He's being a head coach. He's taking what he has. He knows his team now. He, he knows he can't get into a track meet. He knows if he tries to do what he did earlier in the season, you know, he may outscore people, but he also is vulnerable to winning a game, right? And so, you know, when you go back and look at their season, you know, before the Miami 70-point affair, I mean, he's got a chance to beat the Raiders, can't win that game. The Commanders, he gets a lead on them and loses that game. He lost two home games early in the season, but he got it back again. But he's playing the game to win the game, and he's game-planning to win the game. And he's not trying to be, he's not trying to be, okay, I, I, he knows he doesn't have Drew Brees. He doesn't, he, he can't, and he plays to the strength of his team. Kudos to the Broncos, now sitting at 5-5 five and five in that AFC wildcard race. How about the NFC West showdown between the Seahawks and the Rams? And I was watching this one after our show that we did from noon to 4 here at VEASAN, and I was just looking at this, like the game management at the end of this thing was just a disaster class. Oh my but God. the Rams end up pulling it out. 17-16, missed field goal at the end of it as time expired there from Jason Myers, 55 yards. Uh, I'm sure you were also pulling your hair out, throwing the remote, watching the final couple minutes of this one. <laughs> Well, I didn't think the I did not think the Rams this this game mirrored the first game they played, right? The first game they played, it was thirteen to seven at the half. This game's thirteen to seven at the half in favor of Seattle. And then and then the second half, the Rams took over the game up in Seattle. Seattle had one first down and, and only had the ball for five minutes. This game was similar. They had they had two first downs in the third quarter, they got a field goal. They had four punts in the second half, and they threw an interception. And with all that being said, the Rams have a chance. The Rams give them an opportunity to come back down the field because, on for whatever reason, you know, Sean gets into empty on second down. They've got one more timeout left. He gets into empty, 
and tries to run an inside slant and it's not going to score, it's not even going to score, right? I mean, so think about this. Again, let's go back to what we talk about all the time. What's the margin of safety, right? If I throw this pass and, I, and it's not in the end zone or it's not a touchdown, you know, and it's incomplete, that's not good. And that's what happens. So now they don't burn the timeouts. Then now on third down, he's got to run it. But Pete uses his timeout, right? Pete uses his timeout, and now he's got the ball back. And you're, and, he, and here's the thing that I, I, I didn't, I, I was, this was driving me nuts, is you know that the field goal kicker for the, for the, you know the field goal kicker for the, uh, the Seahawks. Seattle. It is is really good. I mean, Myers is real. He's got a strong leg. It's in a dome. He's made a fifty-four yarder before. He's made a fifty-two yarder before, and he's made a forty-nine yarder before. So when you're in the headsets talking, do we go for it? Do we try to win the game here, score a touchdown, or do we take the timeout away? You got to say to yourself, "Look, this guy can make it inside of fifty-five yards. He's proven it to us." And yet they don't. They run it, and then they come back. And then this is, to me, one of the, my biggest pet peeves. Now, I don't know if you noticed this on the sideline. Pete was talking to a guy with a notebook. That must be his analytical guy, his situational guy. And they were talking over things. When they make the big throw to Metcalf in the fourth quarter, like there's – I'm going to look it so I have the right time on it here. It felt like there was about 30-plus uh, like seconds left or so in the game. Like there was still time to – I was surprised they didn't clock it to try to get another chunk uh, blow. Well, well, yeah, I mean, so they, they, they had a chance. at they, they make the big throw, right? They make the big throw, and they get it down to the Seattle 40 mm-hmm. or the Seattle 38, and it's, it's second and eight at the Seattle 48, and they just, they just put it up. the Like, like they're going to concede that? Like, the, the objective is to not to get into field goal range. The objective is to get into makeable field goal range. Like, they had enough time to throw the ball. They had an, plenty of time. If they could have gotten 10 more yards, that kid's going to make that kick. Yeah. I, I don't know why they just backed out of it. It's a little bit like the Chicago, and we'll get to Chicago-Detroit later, but, I mean, Chicago's got this big lead, and all they got to do is milk clock, and Fields has been their main runner, and all of a sudden they revert to a personality that doesn't exist, and they're trying to run their runners. Like at this point, you got to get in a makeable field goal range. You just can't get into field goal range, and it cost them the game. I mean, they're fortunate. Sean was fortunate because he basically he would have been getting killed today oh, yeah. for it. I, I, I thought one of the other things I thought watching this whole game, I, I thought Stafford. I mean, if there's if he has much more in his tank, it ain't a lot. I could tell you that. Yeah, I mean, he he gets beat up back there, and they they, they lost Cooper Cup. Looks like he has an ankle injury. He didn't come back in the game there, but yeah. Puka Nakua he stepped in pretty well uh, and and picked up kind of where he left off prior to Cup's uh, return here. But yeah, I think Seattle like they 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 went ahead and ran the ball, gave it to Charbonnet to just set up for that fifty five yard field goal. It's like you had at least one more play to get some more yardage there to make it more manageable of a kick, but the kick gets pushed right and uh, the Seahawks lose the game, and that's a big loss for Seattle too when you look at their schedule, Michael, because it's now San Francisco coming up on. Thanksgiving to where we don't even know if Geno Smith's yeah. going to play. He still has like the, the, the tricep injury behind yeah, his throwing arm. It's like, it's going to be tough for him to in a quick turnaround. Yeah, he went back in there. I mean, he toughened it up. I mean, Locke came in and threw the interception, which was like a punt, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and 
Look, I, sometimes this Seattle offense, you just look like like when you're watching them in the first half. I wrote in my notes, I'm like, the, you know, because I get I took the Rams and Russo, you know, and I got killed with by the Raider game, which we didn't talk about yet. But I mean, I don't. You look at that game and how the Raiders, how Miami didn't score more, didn't score more than twenty points. I have no idea. Yeah. But <laughs> and and then you know, and then I've, I was way. I took a shot at Carolina, figuring this would be their last stand. You know, I thought Carolina would play. And with Dallas thinking about the Thanksgiving Day, I thought they would make it a, a a closer game, you know, playing at home. And Dallas hadn't been good on the road, but I, I'm fortunate to come out of this bad week with a one and two. And thank God Russo lost both his games already. So we're go. cheering for the uh, we're cheering for the Chiefs tonight. There you go, Chiefs land the two and a half there. Uh, real quick, we'll st- obviously continue this on the other side. Buffalo and the Jets, uh, the Bills. <laughs> They win the yeah. game 32 to 6. Jets, it was as bad as the box score suggests. Zach Wilson, 7 to 15, 81 yards. It was worse. It was, yeah, it, it was probably worse. Was worse. It was worse. And he was actually benched in the game. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, under, I don't understand how we keep saying this Jet defense is so great and all they talk about. I mean, I, look, I think Tony Romo's great. But last night when he said, I thought Big Daddy and I were going to lose it, when he said both of these coaches are elite. Mm. And that the Jets' offense isn't as bad as, as, you know, the Jets' offense is getting ready to turn the corner. Look, I know he wants to be nice to everybody, but, like, come on, Tony. You know this is the worst offense you've ever seen in football. Like, you know this. You know, Zach Wilson, I mean, Zach Wilson, I'm going to tell you this. He's a lack of volume player, and I'll explain it on the other side. 0 for 11 on third down are the New York Jets, but maybe they're turning turn, turn the corner, as, uh, as Tony Romo said. I'm glad I didn't have the volume on that broadcast. I could have been losing my mind right along with you there. We'll get into that game more in depth on the other side. We'll also hand out some hardware, and then we'll give a little preview of tonight's game of the year, Eagles-Chiefs Monday Night Football, as we wrap up the pod next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Michael, as we were heading to break, you mentioned that you wanted to kind of talk about Zach Wilson in terms of his overall evaluation. What did you want to uh, highlight here? I think the longer the season goes for Zach Wilson, the less interested he becomes. The less He does not have competitive stamina. And I think if you watch the kid's mannerisms and you watch how he plays, the volume of games, like he's the perfect example of what they teach you at the Navy SEALs they'll tell you this at, at Coronado when the seals come in and they've been recruited, they've been vetted, everybody, the best athlete, the fastest runner, the highest jumper, all those people, men or women that start really fast, that, that clearly are above everybody else athletically are the first to go because they can't handle the volume of it every day. They can't do it all the time. They have great talent. They don't have that competitive stamina gene. You know, and if you listen to Brady talking to C.J. Stroud on his pod, uh, talks about, you know, this is your job. People that come visit you think they're on vacation. You got to keep them out of your. This is your job. For for Zach Wilson, he's not yet transferred from. This is 
this is, I play football to this is my job. And he can't keep it going all the time. He can have a good play here, a good play there. But when the game comes third down and the game speeds up, he doesn't have enough competitive stamina to prepare, to study, to do the things he has to do. And it's clear. And I know big, I know Sala, you know, finally benched him for Boyle. I mean, you know, like seriously, where are we going with this one? And, but it, he had to do something because the team, you know, you could say the Jets are great on defense and the, the reason they fall in the tank is because of the team. I, I get some of that, but look, look at the Brownies. I mean, the Brownies, you know, the Brownies play great defense and they find a way to run the football and the Jets don't even find a way to run the ball. I mean, they can't even make anything go in the run game, Femi. It's comical. Yeah. I mean, was, what they had, they had 18 carries for 63 yards. Brees Hall had 10 carries for 23. I mean, Wilson was 7 for 15 for 81 yards. He got sacked five times. His longest pass of the day was 18 yards. Like, I mean, and, and everybody, and why would Aaron Rodgers even come back for this? Like, what, what is he thinking? You're getting behind that line? You're getting in that offense? I mean, unless you got a red cape, there's no chance. Yeah, getting behind that offensive line there with a tender Achilles, like that's yeah. To me, that seems like a bad idea, to be honest. There, but he he says he wants to come back. We'll see what happens next month there. But yeah, the Jets. It's just, I mean, maybe it's Tim Boyle on Black Friday when they take on the Dolphins. Maybe it's Zach Wilson. Oh my! I don't think it matters. It's just it's going to be a disaster anyways for that offense. The defense is going to have to have some sort of remarkable performance. To I don't keep think you can go back close. to Zach Wilson. I don't think you can go back. I think the team's deflated. It's a little bit like New England's problem. They can't go back to Mac Jones. Like, they can't – I mean, I'm not saying Bailey Zappi's any good, but they can't go back to Mac Jones. Just got to like, change. They, yeah. They've had this they, – they, sometimes it's like you just got to change. Like, you just like – the team doesn't believe in him. If the team doesn't – and I think a lot of this permeates from the fact that, he's, that he doesn't have competitive stamina. Like, he can go work out and he can dazzle you with a throw here or a throw there or, oh, my God, this looks really good. But there's no consistency in anything he does because his work ethic and his commitment to his craft to be the best that he wants to be. You know, it's like, you know, they, they were asked, they had Stevie Van Zandt on 60 Minutes last night, and he was talking about him and Springsteen were sitting there talking about their childhood. And, you know, and, and Stevie says, well, this is, you know, this is all we could do. And Springsteen's like, yeah but we made sure that this is all we did. Like they were so vested in their careers that they were going to do it 24 seven. This kid's not vested in his career. He's got other things he likes. Like he doesn't love football. You could see it. I could see it a mile away. And he, and he, the talent is such a tease. Oh, I'm going to tease you. It's unfortunate for the Jets as uh, the season continues to kind of fall off the rails. Real quick, let's hit the game in the Motor City. They're the Detroit Lions. Big fourth quarter, a comeback win there as they uh, avoid an upset loss. Eight and two. They're now their record after they beat the Bears 31-26. I, I thought for 52 minutes, Fields played real, as good as he could play. He ran the ball around. He was moving it. I thought when he was on the move, he was able to, to make good throws, accurate throws down the field. Look, he holds the ball too long. You have to run plays for him. I thought, you know, we got what there's there was 4:41 to go in the game, you know, and they've got a chance that they got a third and one they can't convert and they and they do it. They don't put the ball in Fields' hands. If they convert that, they settle for the field goal. They convert that, they're going to run more time off the clock. But they they run the fullback belly, they get stuffed up front. They kick the field goal. Now they're up 23-14 and they act like they've got this elite defense. 
again, here's a perfect example, is if you're so good on defense, when they have to throw it, you've got to be able to stop them from throwing it. But, you know, and Dockway and Sweat, Sweat had a sack in the game. He was unblocked. No pressure on, on Goff, who played as bad as he could play. This is as bad as Goff's going to play, and you still couldn't beat him. Come back down the field. Now you get the ball. You have the ball in the fourth quarter, right? You have the ball in the fourth quarter, and you know you just—they just had scored on you, right? So you now you got you got three timeouts. You're going to make them use all their timeouts. You get the ball in the fourth quarter, and you got to make them use all their timeouts, right? And so what happens? You know you run three fullback bellies into the line, right? You run three fullback. You know first and ten, two oh nine to go in the game, two fifty nine to go in the game. They run Herbert up the middle, no gain. Second and ten, they run Herbert off left tackle, one yard. Third and nine, field throws an incomplete pass. So they save them the timeout. So now they they made the score 26 to 21 with basically with three minutes to go in the game, and then they are giving the ball back to the Lions with 240 with 233 to go in the game. You you can't you you got it. You can't just run belly into the line. Like at that point of the game, if you're if you're a really good head coach, you say to your offensive coordinator, look, what's our, what is our best th- two, two or three two-point plays, right? I, I know they only get supposed to get three yards or whatever, two and a half, but we got to run our three best plays because if we can get a first down or we can get eight yards or we get somewhere, but that, it has to involve fields. And, of course, they don't give fields touch the ball. And, look, I, you know I'm no fields lover. I know that, but at least you got to let his legs make the, win the game for you. Keep the legs as a factor there. They weren't able to do that. They give up the big lead there, double digits in the fourth quarter. The Lions now eight and two, and they, and, they have a nice schedule. And then you going know what's funny? It, you know what's funny about this game is if you took the if you took the Bears, yeah, right. If you took the Bears and laid the seven and got the seven and a half or the eight, you really got you got you think okay, I had that handicap well. I'm not so sure because when Fields got sacked and the oh. ball was laying on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> we were talking about it on the show yesterday. Like, like Bears backers, yeah, had to be feel, like you were just sitting there being like, oh my God, we're about to lose. And luckily, it got kicked out of the back of the end zone for the safety for people who bet the Bears. But yeah, for about 10 seconds there, it was just like, oh my God, this is how I lose. <laughs> This is how I lose. Uh, I mean, that's- and he holds the ball forever. He holds the ball forever. I mean, you know, and that was as healthy as the Bears were all year. I mean, they moved yeah. the ball. They they actually looked good for up until they can't close the game out. And people say, well, they got tired on defense. And, you know, I mean, like, I, I'm not sure I buy that. Like, the, 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 you know, the Bears had the ball for 40 minutes in the game. The Bears' offense had the ball for 40 minutes in the game, and and I hear people at the end of the saying, "Well, they got tired on defense." How they only had the ball? They were only on the field for 1936. They were only on the field for 1936. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's and, and the Lions still had 338 yards against them, and they turned it over three times. Four times. It was four turnovers for the Detroit Lions. Four times, and they won the game. Um, let's go rapid fire with the awards here. Fred Palermo, how about this? We're giving it to our friends over at Big Blue. Well, I mean, look, you got to give him credit, right? DeVito yeah. throws two touchdown passes, and, you know, and, and he's in there, and he does that. And, you know what I mean? Look, they don't turn the ball over. They, they said to themselves, Ron Rivera, you're the favorite. You can't, you're not a very good favorite. We just won't do anything. We'll take sacks and punt. Yeah. They got sacked nine times. 
but we'll punt it if we have to. If we don't turn it over, we got a chance. They made a horrendous decision early in the game on fourth and four to go for it in field goal range. Like, I don't know what they think. And, of course, he got sacked on that play. But it, they managed the game correctly. And at some point, if you're Rivera, you got to say to the enemy, Eric, do you understand that they're attacking our protections? we got to change them? You would think. Fraud of the week. Oh, I mean, this notion that, the, to me, the two big frauds in this league is the Chargers are this incredibly talented team, which I think is really not true. It, and it was proven yesterday by Green Bay, who put 400 yards on them. And when they had to throw the ball, the Chargers, they couldn't throw it. Now, I know they missed Mike Williams. You know, I know they missed – but they, their receiving core isn't good enough. Their offensive line depth isn't good enough. And the secondary is atrocious. I mean, even – you know, we can say Derwin James is an elite player. You don't feel him on the field. No, that's, he's no longer that guy. On the lamb, we're going with uh, Robert Sala here, going on the lamb here before Black Friday. I mean, after he – how do you defend your guy? How do you say he's playing well and then pull? I mean, seriously. Like, really at some well. point, believability matters. matters. Say nothing. I mean, to me, if you were going to teach a class in how not to be a leader, Salah's going to show you what to do, what to say, what you shouldn't say. I plead the fifth. He's playing well. You know, I mean, come on. It's, yeah, he's talking I mean, at circles. some point, he needs, he needs a coach. If you don't know, now you know. I mean, luckily the Rams own Seattle. I still don't think the Rams can – I mean, after that game, the way Stafford looked at the end of that game, God bless him, he's tough, isn't he? Yeah, Jeez, he is. oh, man, is he tough. He is a tough SOB. I mean, he's a sure. warrior. He is truly a warrior. I mean, but, I mean, the Seattle just – for some reason, the second half runs – they run out of gas against the Rams. They just can't play it. Well, now they have the Niners coming to town Thanksgiving night. It is what it is. Well, I mean, look, if the Jets' defense is so good, Femi – then how come they're not playing like Cleveland? It's a good question. Cleveland, once again, they get a big victory with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, good for him. He was emotional after the game. It was nice to see that. They're 7-3 now, their record. Uh, also, quick programming note before we wrap this up. We'll be taping the pod on Wednesday. So for all you guys traveling for Thanksgiving, safe travels. We'll be taping the pod on Wednesday to preview the Thanksgiving games and also the Week 12 slate here. So remember that Wednesday morning, the pod will be in your feed. Final thoughts here, Michael. Monday Night Football, Chiefs-Eagles. What do you think happens? Well, I think if the Chiefs' offense is going to turn around, it's got to happen tonight. They got to protect, and if they protect, they'll throw the ball effectively on Philadelphia. And you know, I think that's going to be the key to the game. They've got to be able to do that. Yeah, I think the Chiefs win by four. That's what I think happens. At least that's what I'm hoping happens. Because I have Eagles teasers. <laughs> so that's what we need. <laughs> we need that to go ahead. It's all about you, Femi. It's all about you. <laughs> you know, got to get some money in the pocket here. <laughs> but that does it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Subscribe, rate, and review as always. Thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you Wednesday morning as we will take the podcast and get ready for Thanksgiving this week. We'll see you then.